With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the IFL TV podcast in association with Lonsdale MTK Global, sponsored by William Hill. This is Cooten Cassius for IFL TV in association with MTK Global. Well, it's been hard work to try and pin down the Cobra this week. It's it's taken me a week to pin the Cobra down. We was, um, how are you, mate? Anyway, you all right? I'm all right. I'm all right. How are you? Not bad, not bad. You don't play golf, do you? No, but I did go golf the other day, but I didn't actually play it, which right. doesn't really mean anything. But No, no, you don't play golf. That's it. I've got my handicap down to 18. I'm really, really pleased with myself. But if you play golf, I was going to invite you up because I've got a couple of people coming up for a game. And um, I need one more. But if you don't play, forget it. Forget I even mentioned it. Can't I drive the car? Actually, it could be like the caddy if you want. A caddy I, love- that I don't listen to. Yeah, I, I I could be a caddy. I did. I was caddy for Tyson Fury the other day. So, oh really? Yeah, that's what I was playing. I wasn't playing, but I was there. <laughs> kind of thing. So, well, I'll be your caddy. What? Too big. He's a bit too big to play golf in it. Surely. Nah, he's a right at golf. <laughs> really? Hmm. Got a bit of a dry car. And he's trainer Sugar Hill. He can he can uh, he can play as well. Um, a lot of people claim they can play golf, and then when you actually play over 18 holes, you put in a score over 100, and you think, no, you can't play. But anyway, if you don't play, you don't play. Let's move on. What's happening? Um, where should we start, really? I haven't spoke to you for quite some time. I think I don't think I've interviewed you for a good month, maybe longer, maybe about six weeks. So quite a lot's happened in that six-week yeah. period. I the summer away, didn't I? I was in Spain for six weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> tired. It's got my kids to bed, mate. And I was, I was nodding off with um, Natalia, my daughter. She will not go to sleep without me lying there, stroking about, and singing to her. Well, you've got all that to come now. I've got all that to come in February, so yeah, I can't wait. I've already congratulated you, but congratulations again, Two Face. Now I can see you. Well done, thank, mate. Thank you very much. Yeah, during February. Your life's, your life's about to change massively, but for the better. I've heard. Little girl as well. Good, so. I hope she's a good woman, mate, because you you, you need one because it's um, he needs to be able to give them to the mum now and again and say, "There you go, just let me do my thing for a bit." She's a she's a very good woman, so no problems there. Right, as long as I've got a good mum. Um. Okay, so let's start with um. We can start with Dillian White and Pavekin. Their rematch was announced. Um, mm. A week ago, a week and a bit ago, for November the twenty-first. Um, in your opinion, the right decision for him to jump straight back in with the rematch with Pavekin? Yeah, I think that you know it was um, it was a lapse of concentration in that first fight. He was doing he was doing really well. I, I think he was doing everything right. Um, I would have liked to see him press it a little bit more when he had Pavekin hurt. Because although it was only like flash knockdowns, he still went down twice. And and Dillian, when he puts his 
foot on the gas when he puts the pressure on. He swings away and he's, he's quite dangerous. He punches hard, doesn't he? So it's always in hindsight that you look back and say, oh, I should have gone for it when it didn't hurt. But I don't know. I like to see that that tenacious finisher that, that, that steps on the gas when they've got him hurt. AJ's good at that, isn't he? Let's be honest. When Anthony Joshua's got his opponent hurt, he's, he's good at stepping forward, letting combination punches go in and trying to get the finish. And, and Dylan White just sort of sat back, took his time, which, you know, against a really experienced Povetkin, somebody like him who's who's been in with everybody and he had a very good amateur career as well. I mean, you don't want to rush it, so I can see what he was doing. But, you know, that aside... He boxed really well. He had a great start, put Povetkin over twice, and then I think he just switched off in that round. That, was it round six? Round five, he put him down twice. And do, no, he, he was... Yeah, the, the knockout came in round five. This was round four round that he had him down twice. Was a great, great round for him, wasn't it? And they come out round five and probably just thought, I'll take my time, there's no rush. They've still got seven, eight rounds to go. And he just... I don't know. What, what did he do? I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that he... He lost concentration momentarily and he just looked, he sat in front of his opponent, sat in front of Povetkin. It didn't really do much. Povetkin did a little fake, got down on that left leg and came up with that bomb of an uppercut. I mean, it was great punch, really good. It wasn't a lucky punch. It was a, it, he looked for the punch and he found it, Povetkin. He's very experienced and he landed flush on the chin uh, of, of, of White and White was kind of caught. What was he doing? I don't know if he was trying to jab, if he was looking for the hook counter or if he was but he was flat-footed and his, um, the gap was in between the arms and he got caught flush. It, was, it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't a lucky punch, but from, from White's point of view, that was real bad luck. That was a bad luck because he switched off. That punch got thrown. He didn't really see it coming, did he? Because it came out of the vision. And um, it put him out. But I don't, I, don't think that's, I don't think he's in danger of that happening. That probably happened once in your whole bloody career, that would. I mean, it's one of them things. But he's got the rematch. And you've got to say that Dylan White is a massive favourite in the rematch, even though he got knocked down that first one. You've got to make him a big favourite because of the way in which the fight was going. He had Povetkin hurt, he had him down twice. He seemed to be outboxing him. He, he won most rounds, didn't he? I think there's a couple of rounds that were close. Could have gone either way, but... Yeah, for me, um, I, was, I was sick, mate. I was gutted. I, I was really, really behind Dylan. I like Dylan. I've had some, had some good chats with him. I think he's... A, Cool guy. He's, he's honest. He's down to earth. He's really sort of, he knows what he wants to do. And um, he's just quite gritty in it. Quite, I don't know. I don't know what word to explain him, but there's no, there's no real nonsense with him. And I quite like that, you know. And um, yeah, quite upset when I saw that. It ruined my, uh, I, was in, I was in Spain at the time. I'd had to go out and find it because there's, there's, no, um, there's no sky out there. Not officially anyway. So I had to go and find the, I had to go and find somewhere that showed it, and I got somewhere, and then that bloody happened. But yeah, it is what it is. You have to get up, dust yourself off, and move on, which I've which I've told him. I had him on my podcast, um, Frotch on Fighting, last week. I know you watched it. You're a big fan. You subscribe as well. I appreciate that. Um, so I had him on that, and it was good to talk to him. He's back in Portugal, back in training for the rematch, which is 21st of November, I believe. And yeah, I think he'll win. I think he'll stop Povetkin. If he doesn't, I think he wins on points. But um, I reckon he'll get him out of there because Povetkin was starting to fade, got put over twice, starting to tire. Just, you know, what happened, happened. But I'm sure I'm sure Dillian White knows what he needs to do in the rematch to set the record straight and move on from that loss. It, it was much publicised that he was sitting there as number one uh, for well, over two years. And... He was taking what was perceived to be risky fights one after the other. Um, after Chisora, it was Joseph Parker, then Oscar Rivas, and now Povetkin. Was it a case of where he was so close to becoming kind of the official manager to challenge to Fury and Wilder? Was it a case of just maybe one fight too many uh, in that respect? Because all these fights he was taking were voluntary fights. He was, they were almost like hand-picking these opponents for Dillian White. Yeah, but it was taking good opponents and doing the job on him. You know, you can't... I mean, that Oscar Rivas fight was a great fight to watch. I thought he did well. He finished strong. And he looked great against a top-quality opponent there. Um, and if he'd have, if he'd have beat Povetkin like, like he was beating him, and if he'd have finished him off and got the win, he wouldn't have been complaining, would he? He wouldn't have been worried that he, he took too many hard fights <coughs> on the bounce. So, no, I don't subscribe to that. He's, he's tapping on the door for a world title. 
um, and to fight quality opponents before you fight for the big one, I think it's a good move and I think it's great experience for him. And um, I think all the decisions that have been made for him and the people he's fought have been right. I mean, it's just like I said earlier, he got caught with a stinker of a punch because he switched off. Um, you, you can't look into it too much and, and make any any real um, too too many like negative analogies from you know up to the lead every event leading up to that point. You can't then say, oh, that's because of that. So now he's took quality opponents. He's done the job since losing to um, since losing to AJ's. You know, he's he's come back really good and looked good, and um, I like what he's been doing. It's just unfortunate he got caught, but like they all keep saying, it's heavyweight boxing, but it is, isn't it? I mean, all the top fighters have been KO'd. I'm not going to bore you and go through the list because I'm sure you know them all, but, you know, the top fighters get knocked out and they come back. And the ones that the ones that really want it, the ones that mean business, come back and they um, they put it right. And I'm sure Dylan White will do. November 21st. Another fight that was announced um, last week was... The scheduled to take place back in May between Derek Chisora and Alexander Usyk, which um, is had a little bit more of a build-up. It will take place at the end of next month in October on the 31st. Uh, and this is a real introduction. I know he's had a, a fight, a heavyweight Usyk, but this is really kind of his real, like I said, introduction into the heavyweight division against someone like Derek Chisora, who's very seasoned and experienced. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's Usyk's um, welcome to the heavyweight fight and um, welcome to the heavyweight division. And we're going to find out now if Usyk is, um, if he belongs at heavyweight. And I don't want to say that, that um, Derek Chisora is just cannon fodder or he's just a stepping stone or just a tester, you know, like the first test. But everybody's making Usyk the favourite, apart everybody except for David Hay, you know. And... You know, you you can't really argue that Usyk's got the class, the quality, the ability, the skills, you know, the foot movement, the speed. If you want to stop breaking everything down that he does well, you can do. But he's, he's very, very talented, isn't he? Usyk, very, very good. But the massive question mark, which I have to agree with David A, we don't know if he belongs at heavyweight. We don't know if he can perform at heavyweight. He's had one fight at heavyweight. He's not, he's not beat anybody at heavyweight that's um, going to make you think, oh, dear, he's a threat. He's a threat to AJ, Wilder, um, even Dubois, um, Tyson Fury, because that's, that's where we're looking, you know. We're, we're, we're thinking that Usyk maybe can, can challenge them kind of opponents. And this fight with Derek Chisora, if he can do the business against somebody big and strong and, and bullshit, and someone comes forward who's, who's going to be coming to win and, and use everything they've got in their in their toolbox and everything in their advantage like you know Derek Chisora knows he's bigger and stronger and heavier he knows this and he's going to use he's going to use that especially early on well he should be anyway early on and sticking it on Usyk putting him up pulling it on him but educated not rushing it not being stupid but putting the pressure on Usyk leaning on him grabbing him where he can bullying him around a bit giving him a little slap around the side of the head where he can around the body back of the rib cage. All the tricks he needs to be sticking on Usyk early, um, without being careless, and he's got a chance. Of course, he's got a chance. It's heavyweight boxing. Um, we don't know, actually know if it is heavyweight boxing for Usyk. We're going to find out, aren't we? But this is what we want to find out: Can Usyk compete with a very good heavyweight? And you've got to say that uh, Derek Chisora is a very good heavyweight. Uh, does he belong in the in the top four, top five? In the world, we don't know, but he'd give any of them a, a really good fight, won't they? So, great fight, really looking forward to it. And uh, I'm excited as well to see, see what Usyk looks like, see if he does belong at heavyweight division and see if he can uh, mm. see if he can be a threat to the heavyweights. Does Anthony Joshua want that steam? Does he want it? We don't know, we'll find out, won't we? But at the minute, it's Usyk now just developing as a potential heavyweight. So we look forward to it. Absolutely. Siri uh, just woke up on my phone for some reason. <coughs> October 31st. Um, yeah, October 31st. Yeah, looking forward to that one. That's before the, obviously, before the um, Chisora. White Povetkin one, that's before, yeah. White Povetkin fight, yeah. Before the White Povetkin rematch. So it's good. I mean, 
two good fights there to look forward to. Definitely. Um, and then hopefully before Christmas, there'll be a third one. Well, potentially before Christmas, we should have the yeah, trilogy fight man. between Fury and Wilder and also AJ and Pulev. Yeah, so. Pulev, yeah. Um, when I was talking to Eddie Hearn last week, he's suggested that Deontay Wilder has been quiet since um, his defeat to Fury, which was back in February now. We haven't heard too much from him. What, what, what does that tell you, if that is the case? Right. First of all, what I need to know is, is this fight definitely on, the rematch? Right? And is it on before Christmas, or does nobody yet know? Well, the, an announcement yet. the date that's been touted for it is the 19th of December in Las Vegas. Um, Tyson Fury is training for that that date. It's not been confirmed, confirmed yet, so I can't say yes, it's on Usyk, Chitora and White Povetkin. But so your question was, is it good that we've not heard from Wilder? Now, what do you make of the fact that he's not been as vocal? I suppose it's been quite a few months since that defeat, now, isn't it? And we've not heard loads from Wilder. I'm just asking what that, what that tells you. I know he got. He got right off, didn't he, when he said that the outfit was too heavy, bless him. He just said that the outfit was too heavy on the rim walk. His legs got tired. And everybody wrote him off. Um, because of that, everyone was like taking the piss out of him and laughing at him, saying, oh, I can't believe he said that. And, you know, he obviously came up with that reason um, at short notice. <laughs> he didn't go down well, did it? But I just, I don't know, Tyson Fury just put so much pressure on him from the start and backed him up. And he was so much bigger than him. And it's, it's, you know, that that height and reach and that size and that awkwardness. I thought Wilder really, you know, I felt a bit sorry for him in there. He was trying, he was letting shots go, he was getting caught, got stopped on his feet, didn't he? The ref jumped in, the towel came in, he was like, what's going off? Why stop the fight? But he got a bit of a shrallican, didn't he? So I don't know. What's he going to do in the rematch? He's going to just look for a big punch. I don't see how he can outbox and beat Fury. I don't, just based on how that first fight went, the first and the second fight, actually. I don't think he can outbox Fiori, so he's going to have to try and chin him. Can he land a big shot? Maybe. Of course, he, you know, he's going to throw a few, so maybe that's his plan. Maybe just bide his time and try and land the big shot. But I don't know. I can't, I can't see it. The fact that he's been very quiet and really, really, you know, he's been under the radar on the build-up, hopefully that means he's training really hard. And I don't say hopefully as in hopefully he comes and beats Fiori, because I, I want Fiori to win the rematch. I make no... No mistake about that. Fury's Fury's our guy, and he's British. He's is is just such a such a big character. He's, he's brilliant. I think he's I think he's absolutely great. To be honest, I, I've really really become a more. I've known Fury for years. I mean, a lot of people don't know we trained in Castlebar County Mayo together before my first world title fight against Pascal. So I was I was fighting a guy called sparring a guy called Louis Garcia, and Tyson was fighting that um that Perez a heavyweight. Um, and the spars every day were brilliant between me and and Fury, you know, Fury and Perez and myself and Gossi. I was getting beat up most of the time for four or five rounds. And then when this kid slowed down, have you ever heard of Louis Garcia? Do you know him? Real, real talented Cuban. He came over and, and he, he stayed in, in Ireland. I don't know what's happened to him now. I think he's finished. But anyway, he was like, he was tapping his foot and it, hitting me with uppercuts and just double, treble, quadruple jabs knocking my head back and spinning me around and chucking me all over the ring. And Tyson Fury would then get in and have a fight with, um, with that Perez. I'm sure it was Perez. And them two came over together. And um, we were both promoted by Mick Hennessy. So we spent a lot of time together in, in the camps and in and around when we was out with Mick Hennessy and, you know, on the build-up. And I got quite close to Tyson Fury. And then, obviously, when I became world champ and did my... I think he made his pro debut, actually, on my world title fight. But... I don't know why I can't remember that so clearly, but when I boxed Pascal, Tyson Fury was on the undercard um, on that night. I'm sure he was. He, can you tell me if that's correct or not? Without I can. If you give me, if you but talk. Anyway, me and Tyson Fury are quite good mates. So we keep in touch. I talk to him quite regular because I did that little thing on my podcast, Froch on Fighting, where he um, where he called AJ um, a few names and um, he had a go at him. Because because uh, he does. That's what he does. And, uh, yeah, so I hope Fury wins a rematch. Nothing against Deontay Wilder. I think he's a cool guy. I quite like him. Um, 
dangerous puncher, top fighter. Come on, let's be honest. He's, he's knocked out nearly all of his opponents that he's fought. Anyone he hits on the chin, he puts to sleep. He's great to watch, dead exciting. He could be losing 10, 11 rounds and then he'll knock, knock the guy out in the last round and you just think, oh, that was a big shot. Um, but I think Fury's got his number and I'm hoping that because he's been quiet <clears throat> in, in the ring, that's this Wilder because Wilder's been quiet hoping that means that he's been locking off training really hard getting the right sparring you know doing everything he needs to do to, to try and win the rematch but I don't know I don't think it's going to make any difference <coughs> I think Fury's going to be alright in that one but you never know do you heavyweight boxing good luck to the both of them may the best man win but I'm back in Fury and I hope Fury wins should be good just to um Go back to what you're saying. I've just got, got that card up here, which was on the 6th of December in Nottingham. And yes, you are 2008. correct. 2008. Uh, 2008. Apologies. 2008, 6th of December. Yes, Tyson Fury's debut uh, against Bella Giangossi. Yeah, so he made his debut on my, on my first world title fight. So correct. Yeah, I spent a lot of time in the build-up to that. Was, do you remember John O'Donnell? He was out there on camp as well. Yeah. Barker came out there, he was sparring. So we had a good camp out there, Castlebar County Mayor. Um, and I've always I've always liked Fiore, I've always got on. Um, so yeah, I think he'll win the rematch. I hope that um, Wilders took it really seriously. I hope that his silence is because he's working really hard and he's gonna come and make a good, you know, give himself a good chance of of trying to trying to defeat Tyson Fury. Uh, Do you put we shall see. Do you put, sorry, Carl, do you put Fury as the number one heavyweight in the world currently today? It's tough, isn't it? Because AJ's done so much. He's had some great wins, AJ has, and, and, and the manner in which he beats him. I mean, just, just the Povetkin win, when you look at what Povetkin did to White. And then I watched that fight back on Sky the other day. I just downloaded it and I had another look. And you, you take that for granted, them kind of fights. You just think, oh, well, Povetkin is he's past his best. He's getting quite old, 40 years old, whatever. But... No, AJ, AJ jumped in, in there with him after the, after the uh, Klitschko fight. And the Klitschko fight was great as well. And he got put down and hurt in that Klitschko fight. And he came back. So <clears throat> they're both different fighters. You know, AJ's got... AJ, I feel that he hasn't got that natural boxing ability, that natural talent that, that Tyson Fury's got. But he's more naturally athletic. I feel like he's, he's stronger, he punches harder. Um, he's got... He's got an Olympic gold medal, so he's obviously got the experience at that, that level. But I don't know, he's kind of... I don't want to say it's forced or played down. AJ's a great fighter. I've seen him in the gym and all sparring. So he's a top, top fighter. But Tyson Fury is it's one of them. He's just a naturally talented, really real quality, real elusive ability. You know, his speed and his light. For a heavyweight, for a heavyweight, because he's so quick and nimble and light on his feet. If you're going to compare two fights, compare the Klitschko, compare the Klitschko that, that Fury beat against the Klitschko that AJ beat. Um, you know, Klitschko had been sat on the sofa for 18 months before AJ fought him. And it kind of came out of retirement to fight AJ. Am I right in saying that? It, it'd been really inactive. And it gave AJ a really hard fight, put him over. And AJ fought fantastic, climbed off the canvas, got the win. It was brilliant. I was there that night commentating. It was, it was one of the best fights I've been to live to sit and watch in terms of the dramatics. I was working the show on Sky and my heart was going, I was shouting, trying to commentate and trying to keep my emotions in check. And it was just awesome. And, and for AJ to finish it the way he did, it's brilliant. You've got to give him his credit. But the fight with Fury and, and, and Klitschko, a couple of two or three years before that, Fury just did what he does. I mean, it wasn't a very intended fight. I'm not going to say it was as good as the AJ fight because it wasn't. It was, um, it, was just, it was just a messy, awkward, horrible affair. But Fury got in there and was tricky and awkward and fast. And he was nonchalant in the way in which he was fighting, with his looks, his, the, the stares on his face, his body language. And um, it was quite an easy night's work for Fury. He made quite an easy night for it. And he fought a better Klitschko. You know, people can argue all they want, but he fought a better Klitschko than what AJ did. And he actually he made an easy night of it. And when you compare them two, on that one fight alone, you've got to say that, that Fury probably belongs at number one in the heavyweight division, especially given the fact that 
he's beat Wilder twice, once officially, but twice in my card, uh, in my opinion. And AJ's lost to Ruiz. And Ruiz has done nothing before. I don't think he's going to do much after um, the loss to, to AJ. I know he's coming back. But when you look at that, and, and if you're honest with yourself, as much as an AJ fan as I am, um, and, and if you're, I like both these guys. I've already, I trained with AJ for, for quite a few years. And Robert Kraken Crack, looks after him. So, you know, just pushing all my agendas aside, and I'm just looking at two fighters, I just, I just feel that Tyson Fury belongs above Anthony Joshua, just ever so slightly. And that doesn't mean, just based on what they've done, based on their careers, but that doesn't mean that Tyson Fury beats Anthony Joshua. That doesn't mean I'm saying that. So... You didn't want me to finish there, did you? No, no. I'll just ask you, by you answering the question in the way you did, I'm assuming that you're not going to favour one or the, over the other right now. Well, I'm putting Fury at number one. So I think you've got to. I think you've got to put Tyson Fury. You can't not put Tyson Fury at number one above Anthony Joshua. Anthony Joshua got beat. Tyson Fury is undefeated. Uh, Tyson Fury's beat Klitschko and he's beat Deontay Wilder. Um, I know AJ's beat Klitschko, but he struggled. And like I said, Klitschko was sat on the sofa for 18 months and that doesn't do you any good before a big fight. Let me tell you, I know he had a training camp, obviously, but he was kind of retired. Um, and then AJ went and lost to Ruiz and I know he got the rematch, he won the rematch, but I, I need to see. Ask me again after he's fought Pulev. And if AJ goes in there and does a real job on Pulev and looks good and, and looks hungry and backs him up, I'm not saying he has to get a stoppage, but if he did, then that'd be a great win in terms of the way he wins. But I need to see him. I need to see, I need to see Anthony Joshua in a boxing match where it's give and take a bit and where he's under pressure, where he's uncomfortable for a couple of rounds. And I see him come through that and land shots and take a couple and dig his heels in and bite down on his gum shield and have a bit of a scrap and come out on top because... The Ruiz loss, for me, was a bad loss. And, you know, and I said it before the rematch. I, I, need, to see, I need to see him in another fight before. I wouldn't like to see him jump straight in there with Fury or any, anyone who's, who's that dangerous. I think this is a great fight for him. Really sensible against Pulev. And I think he'll beat Pulev regardless. But I really want to see AJ look the nuts against Pulev. I want to see him boxing and moving and outworking him and outclassing him. Then I want to see him step on the gas, put a combination together, and get him fucking right out of there in style. And then I'd be like, boom, there we go. Let's get it on. Fury needs no. to be wilder again, which I've already said I think he will. And then we've got ourselves an amazing fight. Two British fights for the um, two British fighters for the undisputed, undisputed unified heavyweight title. As long as, long as that WBC title's still there. What's gonna happen now when I don't think that's going to matter, is it? When White beats, um, well, if White beats Povetkin, let's not write Povetkin off. But if White beats Povetkin, then he's what's the script then? He's, he's kind of <coughs> kind of not in the way of that scenario, is he? The um, the Fury um, AJ fight because he's not. He won't be mandatory, will he? Obviously well, if mandatory, but he won't have like an immediate position to fight for the WBC after beating. Um, as far as I know, if White beats Povetkin, they will obviously push with the WBC, Hearn and White to have White reinstated to the position he was before the first Povetkin fight. What happens after that, I don't know whether that will be the case, but there will be a mandatory there. Who are they going to chuck a spanner in the works for the, uh, for the potential AJ Fury fight? But there's also the, the, the mandatory for the WBO, which could be Usyk. Hmm. Well, they signed Usyk any, so he's got that one sorted. <laughs> well, I don't know. You don't yeah, know, yeah. No flies on any of No, you know, let's look, if if Fury beats um, Wilder, which I'm sure he will, and um, and AJ does the job against Kubrick Prulev, which he, he better do, but he better look good doing it. Um, when they both won. That's the fight, isn't it? It's got to happen, surely. So is that when you'll be in a better position to answer who wins that fight? So you want to know who wins out of AJ and Fury? 
today, but I'm asking. We... Yeah, if they, if they fought in their next fight, if AJ and Fury boxed in their next fight, I think AJ, I think Fury is a strong favourite to beat AJ. I really do. I just, I'm just looking at form and fights they've been involved in and going straight into that after beating, for, for AJ to go straight into that after beating um, Ruiz in that rematch. It was too easy for him. It's just an easy rematch. He boxed. He boxed really good. Give him credit. He did what he had to do to get the belts back. But it was just too easy. Just too easy. And that was partly that was partly Ruiz's fault, wasn't it? Well, listen. Before we can even think about a fight, a lot has to happen this year. So, you know, we talk. We always end up talking about fights that haven't happened yet. Does AJ look good against Kubrat Pulev, which I'm sure he will. I think. Rob McCracken will be telling him what he needs to do and he, he realised that he wants to do a job and when he, when he finds his range and he's outboxing Kubrat Pulev for six, seven rounds I'm sure he'll think to himself right now's the time he'll start enjoying himself and he'll get the cobwebs off because it's been a, it's been a big break with this, with this COVID nonsense you know it's, mm. it's put everybody back and um, nobody's been busy have they there's been big gaps now between fights so I just think once he's got the Kubrat Pulev fight done and dusted, and he's look and he's look good doing it, we have a conversation about who wins the um, AJ Fury fight. And um, I might be saying I might be a bit different at the minute. I just make Fury the favourite. I think you have to. I don't, I don't know how you can not make Fury favourite. And I'm not okay. saying that don't mean he hasn't got a chance because of course he has. Because Anthony Joshua is a big, strong, fantastic fighter. The top heavyweight, let's be honest. It's between him and Fury for the number one spot in the world. It has to be. And that's, you know, Deontay Wilder is not big enough. I just think Fury, a lot of people don't think that AJ could beat Deontay Wilder. I disagree. I think Anthony Joshua is just too big and too strong for Deontay Wilder. I just think he is. I just think he, he beats him. So don't, don't overlook, don't look into that fight too much, that win for Fury on, on Deontay Wilder. Don't be like, oh, he's beat Wilder and AJ couldn't do that. Because AJ could beat Deontay Wilder. I'm telling you, he could do. He could beat him quite quite convincingly, as far as I'm concerned. But yeah, it's opinions, isn't it? It's opinions of boxing and styles and timing. I just want to see AJ get more experience and have another fight, which is the Pulev fight, before I see him take on um, Fiora. Because I don't think it would be good news for him if he fights uh, Fiora too quick. Which he ain't. He's got the fight. He's got the fight, which I've already said. And um, let's not forget Fury as well. He's got to fight Wilder again. And Wilder's in hiding at the minute. He's in hiding, getting hypnotised. He might come out and land one of them bombs. Can you imagine? Knocks out Fury. Proper spanner in the works. And it's not out of the question, is it? No, someone who punches as dangerously and as hard as Wilder, you can never, ever rule him out of any fight. That's that true. first fight with AJ and um, and Wilder, he got put over quite quite heavy twice. In a, a lot of referees would have ended that fight. They'd have been stood over over Fury and gone, "Bloody hell, he's, he's gone here. He's that cold." But fair play to the ref. He countered. He had a look. He could see there was still some there, and he gave him his chance, and he got up. Fury did. But yeah, that could have been very different. So that's. I'm looking forward to that one. I'm looking forward to the rematch. I'm looking forward to see what AJ does against Pulev. I really am. And then I can make a decision. Okay. Um, have you had a fallout of Piers Morgan? Oh, a little one. Yeah, not really. He put a little tweet out. So I thought, you know what I don't like? I don't like all the scaremongering and all the negativity that's, that's floating around with this COVID, uh, COVID-19. It's just it's too much negative stuff. You put television on, it's negative. You know, but if you go on the CDC website, which is the Centre for Disease Control, and have a look at the, the, the infection to death ratio, and you, you'll, you'll see that between 0 and 19 years old, so babies up to 19 years old, <clears throat> you've got 0 point, 0, 0, 0, 0, 4 or 7, my photographic memory slipping a bit, 0.0004% chance of dying. 0.00004. If you're age between 20 and 50, I think it was, which is my category, uh, nearly, nearly in my 40s, um, I think you've got 0.00007, not, 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 not 0.007, yeah, or not. So, and if you look at the influenza 
infection to death ratio. You're in the same ballpark. Yeah. So when you've got people like Piers Morgan telling people to mask up and shut the fuck up and stop this and stop saying that and stop what? Stop trying to stop trying to promote a, a healthy immune system. Stop trying to stop trying to tell people to be active and, and be healthy mentally and physically by going to the gym. And we know that it re releases so many natural endorphins when you go to the gym. You feel great. If I'm having a bad day and I feel tired and my kids have been the kids have been playing up and it's just graft and you do the homework and they don't want to do it. Or I take Rocco golf and you can't be bothered and it's like, and they don't want to eat the dinner and your head's gone. You go to the gym, go and have an hour in the gym, whether you go on the treadmill or the bike or if you lift a few weights or you go in the swimming pool, like I do quite a lot now, get a sweat on, do something physical. You feel great. You feel brilliant. And it's good for you, believe it or not. Going to the gym is really good for you. And eating healthfully is really, really good for you. It boosts your immune system. So if you was unlucky enough, to pick up COVID-19, which is what everybody's talking about, um, if you was unlucky enough to pick up that disease, that illness, then you would have a very, very strong chance, a really, really high percentage chance of surviving the illness. Like, you'd have to be ridiculously unlucky to, to be affected in a negative way by COVID-19 if you are under 80 years old, or I think it's under 70. So why go on there and tell people to shut the F up and mask up and stop doing this and stop saying that and just negative, 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 negative. Why don't you put a bit of positivity out there and say, well, actually, you've only got a 0.0004% chance of becoming seriously ill in the unlikely event you get this, this illness. You know? So I just said to Piers Morgan, why don't you tell people to just eat healthily, train more and build up the immune system? Obviously, not everybody can train. But you can get outside and do a walk. If you can walk, you can go and do a walk. You, you might not be able to go and train, train, but raise your heart rate, you know. Eat some healthy organic food. Build your immune system up. It's amazing. The human body wants to survive. The human body wants to look after itself. You know, it gives the body essential vitamins and minerals down there in the mouth every day. 90 essential vitamins and minerals every day in there. Into your stomach, where 95% of diseases manifest, yeah, you're probably going to be okay. It's probably you've probably got nothing to worry about. But that's not that's not big news. That's not headlines, is it? It's too easy. So I just said to him, give people some positive advice, time to build the immune system, eat healthily, and train a bit. And he blocks me. What's he blocking me for? He's blocking me because he's then done to me what he does to everybody on GMB. And by the way, you can't get on anyone on GMB anymore. Nobody will, nobody will be his guest on Good Morning Britain because they know they just get talked over and shut down. It doesn't let them speak, doesn't let them get up. You ask them a question, and then when they're answering, they'll ask them another question or talk over them and shut them up. So it's like, this is a two-way conversation or not. And it never is with Piers Morgan. And that's why nobody goes on GMB. That's why you'll be getting sacked off Good Morning Britain soon. I've heard it. I've heard it on the inside. He's getting sacked soon from Good Morning Britain. So, and that's because guests don't want to go on there and people don't want to listen to his nonsense. Look at the stick and the abuse he gets. So anyway, I said my little bit, which as far as I'm concerned, was really, really good, positive, helpful, useful information. Yeah. So he blocks me. And why did he block me? Because blocking somebody silences them. You can't then have a conversation with them. And that's what he does when he's got a guest on television. He talks over them. He silences them. Gets, gets, makes himself feel all satisfied and then he moves on to the next subject and gets them off the television. See you later. So he gets a, a potential good guest on there and then you don't get to hear the guest speak because Piers Morgan shuts them down. So he shut me down on Twitter and he blocked me. And do you know how much sleep I lost? <laughs> he got absolutely ripped off. So that was that. Was that. that was it. That's all it was. Mm. I, anyway, Piers Morgan, you twat. <laughs> um okay carl just um before we go I just want to ask your opinion about one more fight happening next month between lomachenko and fiafimo lopez what do you think of that fight? that's a great fight isn't it <coughs> really good fight but i don't know Lomachenko's just is he invincible is he like the, is he like a teflon man i don't know i just can't see anybody giving him any don't get me wrong, it's a great fight and 
he's, he's got a chance of, of putting, you know, doing something in that fight and giving him, making a fight of it. But I don't know. I just, every time you think that someone's going to do something. I mean, Luke Campbell did really well against Lomachenko. And Luke Campbell's a top fighter. Um, but it was just, Lomachenko just manages to find it, make it easy, doesn't he? He just, he just goes through the gears, steps it up. He just is absolutely fantastic. He's probably going to be an all-time. Well, he is. He is. A, but I'm talking about all-time, all-time great. So, yeah, looking forward to the fight, but I can only see one winner. It, it makes you wonder if Lomachenko had, had turned professional a few years before he did. Obviously, he had that long, extensive amateur record. Mm. Phenomenal. Yeah, but real where would he be in his career now? He to turn pro, doesn't he? Hmm. Yeah, go on. Did you, you, I mean, you were a bit of a late starter anyway, weren't you? Yeah, I turned professional at 2025, 20, I think, 2002. That is but I was never going to turn pro. I never had any ambitions. Don't forget, I didn't get back into boxing until I was 19. I mean, hmm. back into boxing when I was 19. I've been out for four years. So, like, 14, 15 years old, I never boxed when I moved to Newark um, and then when I moved back down to Nottingham and started um, studying at Clarendon College that's when I then decided to go back down to the gym so you know I only had, I only had just about five and a half six years after it I had like 40 odd am amateur fights as a junior and I got back into it at 19 years old and I was straight in the ABAs fighting Chris Bessie in the final and then I fought John Pierce the, the year later the Commonwealth gold medalist I won the ABAs twice on the spin, I got picked to box Ringland, and I, I didn't even know what I was doing, to be honest. I was just throwing big uppercuts because Nassim Hamid used to throw them. <laughs> I was just getting the ring and just, you know, obviously, when I, I boxed when I was a kid, so I, I knew my way around the ring a little bit, but I had no, no ambition at all of turning professional. I just thought I'd box to get myself fit again, start getting fit, and then uh, won the ABAs a couple of times and got picked to box for England. And met Rob McCracken in Ireland and turned professional on the back of that. Thought I might win a British title if I'm lucky. So yeah, I turned pro quite late, 25. But that's you know that's because of the fact that I was never never even going to turn pro. If you just saw me at 19 years old driving around in my um, my Orion 1.6 injection gear, Orion, windows, wow. Orion gear. So it's like yeah. an XR3i but with a boot. If you just saw me driving around in that smoking. Uh, going out on the weekend, working in clubs, and that's a group in pubs from the age of like 13, 14, drinking. You know, you'd have thought, and then you got you got people who are winning ABA titles and boxing for England, and people are travelling all over. And you look at me and think, look at that skinny, skinny nineteen-year-old kid there, and look at this guy here who's ABA champion or whatever. It's like you can never, you can never make judgment or never write yourself off. You mm. can always turn your life around. And there's a story here for people listening. If you're 19 years old and you're smoking and drinking and you think you've got no, you can't do anything in life. Trust me, you can achieve anything you want within reason. But I, the, the fact that I boxed from when I was eight, nine years old was the reason I was able to get back into boxing at 19. Obviously, that was the reason I was able to get back into it and do what I did. Yeah, I turned pro at 25 um, and had a 13 year career almost. 24, 25 years old, retired when I was 36, 37. So I had about 13 years at the game. I did all right. Won a few titles. Got put down a couple of times, but got up to win. Lost to Ward, though, didn't I? He got away. Good fight, though, Ward. You've got to give him his credit. Got to give him his credit, Ward. I don't like giving him credit, but you've got to give him his credit. Well, that's very nice of you to say. It's not a bad only loss on your record, is it? I mean, I lost to Kester, but I, obviously when you avenge that defeat and you, you're the last one, you win You win the rematch. You feel like you've got rid of that. So, you know, the only loss on my record is Ward. Pound for pound, one of yeah. the best fighters in the last 20 years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't ever give him that much credit and I don't ever say that it's great just because of his style of fighting. You know, I wouldn't say that. But obviously, look at his record, look at his results and that. You've got to give, you've got to, you've got to give him that big accolade. I've never been a bum kisser, so I won't say that. <laughs> I'm not calling you. I'm not saying you kissing ass, but no, I'm just. It was, I, I can say it, but you know. 
Um, all right, well, listen, I appreciate your time this Sunday night. I know you're busy, etc. So, what time is um, it? Always yeah, appreciate you giving Keep time. Kids are at school tomorrow, and I'm playing golf with my fish man. I've got a guy that, that drives down my street, and I always have a bit of fish off him. So, it's a guy that used to be, I think he was in, um, I don't want to say where he was actually, but he, he had a bad time. He was, he was in rehab. So he'd been he'd been drinking too much and gambling and taking whatever drugs, and now he's he's back with his wife. He's got his kid, his young kid, and he's he's selling fish. So he goes to Grimsby, picks his fish up fresh, he fillets it. Always done his, he knows how to fillet the fish, fillets it really quick. Like telling me, how, he does these big salmon. I like a meter long salmon. He can fillet them in like two minutes. And um, yeah, pulls up in his new his new van, his little freezer in the back of the van. So I have a couple of sea bass off him, some some haddock for the kids. I get them prawns with a shell still on, rip the heads off them and fry them in some garlic and chili. So he's a big fan as well. He couldn't believe it. He's like, oh, I'd be honoured if you'd be a customer. And I was like, listen, mate, I like fish. I don't eat any meat. I'm, I'm a pescatarian now. I was vegetarian for a while. Now I eat fish. And I said, you've come at the right time. I said, I'm not just saying that, but I'll, I'll have some fish off you. So we've become really friendly, but he's a big golf. He's a golf. He plays golf. Because I've been playing a bit of golf. So we've got a game of golf tomorrow. I'm taking him for a game of golf at Ruddington tomorrow. Um, it's 10 o'clock tee off with Tom, the fish man. Looking forward to it. That's why I asked you to play golf earlier. So, um, yeah, it's not really, I ain't got really much else on, to be honest. What is it? Half past nine, game of golf tomorrow at 10 o'clock. After I drop the kids off from school, I might get ready to drop the kids off tomorrow. And then I'll go and. Um, have a strong coffee, game of golf, come back, go in the gym, pump some iron, drink some plant-based protein, eat some organic food, pan fry some sea bass in a bit of garlic. So what do you do nice. with your sea bass? Let me tell you what. Let me tell you what you do with your sea bass. Don't quit while I've got you on, because I need one now. So you you get a pan, you put a bit of oil in it, a bit of grease, and then you you heat it up nice. Bit of chilies and garlic. If you don't want chilies, forget the chilies because it's fish. You don't really want to be chilling it up. But I like chilies with most things. So a bit of garlic and um, butter. So garlic, chop it up dead fine. Put it in some butter, some organic butter, and spread that on top of the fish. The fish is sitting in a real shallow um, bit of fat on the skin side, so the skin can go quite crusty and kind of overcook the skin. And then when it's about half cooked, flip it over to the side with the butter and the garlic on it. And then flip it back, yeah. Because you don't want it be, you don't want it too long. And then get some flour and put it in the um, sieve, and just sort of shake the sieve over the top of the, the fish. So there's a nice dusting of flour over the top of the fish. So you've got the you've got the fish which is virtually cooked on the bottom, the skin. Forget about the skin. That's burning. That's okay. And then you've got this succulent, juicy layer of butter and garlic. And it's just slightly, slightly cooked. And then you sprinkle the flour on top of it. You've still got the butter and the garlic on top of that. And then you flick it back over and let it finish off. Wipe the heat up a bit, let it finish. And it puts a light, crunchy batter coating. Garlic butter coating on top of the sea bass. Better rice. Nice better rice. So a nice big pile of rice because you've got to keep your carbs up. And then just some sides, some broccoli or some, I don't know, some seasonal veg, whatever takes your fancy. Some asparagus. Just, you can just shallow, like just blank them in the water, just slowly cook, just cook them really quick, take them out and then put them in the pan. Get them in the pan, bit of salt and pepper on them, on them, um, on that bit of veg. And then just a little drizzling of um, balsamic vinegar. So you've got your better rice, your fish, which is your nice crusty coating, and then your asparagus. With a light drizzling of balsamic vinegar, <laughs> your mouth water, isn't it? And it takes it takes about it takes about ten minutes from start to finish, and you've got a healthy organic meal. And all you do is wash that down with some distilled lemon water, a bit of distilled water, squeeze a lemon. Don't drink tap water, absolute garbage. Distilled water, a bit of fish. When are you coming around for dinner? <laughs> Tomorrow. <laughs> you like the sound of that, don't you? It's even better. It did sound sea bass, the fresh, the fresh king prawns. When you when you take the shell off of them and you cut them, like cut the backs and take the crap out of the back. Garlic and chili. You have 
chilli on them. Plenty of butter as well. Oh, mate, they are they're proper nice, succulent. I'm feeling it, I'm feeling it. Yeah. And you can have them with some tagatelli and a bit of butter on them. Just don't even need to, you don't need any sauce. Any crappy sauce out of jars. Don't need them actually. No. Do your own sauce. So yeah, that's what I'll do. Well, it's a good tip to finish them anyway. Yeah, you can cut all that bit out. Just keep that for yourself. No, no, I'm leaving it in. I want people might, there's a lot of cooking enthusiasts on the channel, so I'm sure they'll uh, find that of interest, Carl. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. I should have saved that for my YouTube channel, shouldn't I? Yeah, you should have done. Frotch on fighting. Frotch on cooking, yeah. <laughs> um, Carl Frotch, thank you very much for talking to IFL TV. Enjoy your day at golf tomorrow, and uh, I'm sure yes. there's a lot of fights coming up that we will catch up with you in person. So no, no problem. It's always a pleasure talking to you, Cougar. I'll hopefully see you um, see you at the next fight if you're allowed on. I will be. October 31st. I'm there, I'll by there. the way. I'll be there. Yeah, so I'll see you down there. We'll do a we'll do a little piece. We'll treat the fans again. Absolutely, absolutely. Carl Froch, thank you very much. Pleasure. Good night, Coogan. Thanks for listening to the IFL TV podcast, sponsored by William Hill, in association with Lonsdale MTK Global. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.